0: to the journey podcast the journey is a college and young adult ministry of southcrest baptist church we hope this podcast helps you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in jesus amen amen you guys can have a seat real quickly If I haven't gotten a chance to to meet you, maybe see some new faces in here. Uh, My name is Cole Rhodes, I'm our college pastor here. I've been here for about two years. Um, This uh, January will be two years. Actually, my first gathering ever was December 2019. None of you knew I was here. It was kind of covert, under the radar. I was Brandon's friend, if anyone asked. Um, And so, man, it's crazy how much time flies, how much we've been through, and I want you to just know it's been a joy uh, serving here and getting to know you guys, learning from you. So we're, we're gonna dive into our series tonight, Get Out of Your Head. If you could with me turn to Matthew chapter six. Matthew chapter six. We're going to be in the Do Not Be Anxious section starting in verse 25. So we're, we're gonna talk about anxiety tonight. Does that make anyone anxious? Anybody? You, you like me, you, still, you talk about something and then you feel that thing. Um, It's kind of funny talking about anxiety because I have just a little bit of it at the beginning of every sermon and so I'm talking about what I'm feeling right now as we we begin this. I think it's important that we define anxiety. Um, There's lots of definitions. I'm going to go with some resources that I have that are definitely from a Christian worldview but not Christian easy. that makes sense and if that's also a word that'd be helpful if that was a word but an anxiety is this it's an uneasy feeling of uncertainty agitation dread or fear and so why why are we going to talk about it well Mayo Clinic reports as of September that 44 percent of college students are experiencing symptoms of anxiety depression 25 percent so it's one out of every four people, basically one out of every two people, half have symptoms, one out of every four taking some sort of psychotropic, tropic, sorry, medication. But the real reason is, is that I love you guys <laughs> and I see a struggle. We love you as a ministry. I see an overarching um, battle or maybe it feels like you're, you've already lost that battle. Maybe you've thrown in the cards with Mental health issues, struggles, and if there's anything that we can talk about from God's words, anything that we can do to help with that, we want to help with that. Don't you reckon. So we see the issue, and also it's it's out of love. But I think there are some necessary disclaimers now. I am smart enough to know that I'm not a psychologist. Do you know what I mean by that? (laughs) I'm smart enough to know that I can easily sound very dumb if I'm not careful. I I can say some things that are very ignorant of the depth of all there is to know in the realm of psychology. But a necessary disclaimer that you should know is that some sermons have oversimplified this to the point that it's kind of like, hey, God loves you. So don't be anxious. Amen, who wants to come forward and make a decision? And it's like, oh gosh, that's really what you're gonna say, all right. Um, And so it, it would make it sound like that every ounce of anxiety that you feel or experience has to be only from your sin. And it has to be something that you need to repent of and that's just not the case. There's so many sources and reasons why you could have anxiety, but here's something we do need to clarify. Some anxiety, and maybe for that very mentally healthy person, a lot of your anxiety probably is because of your sin or some sort of damage that you've done from it, right? Like, let me flesh that out. Like, if you are living in sin, if you're, if you're, driving around and rolling down your window and cussing out everybody that gets in front of you, which in Lubbock is everyone, right? And so, like, if you're doing that, if you have a constant anger problem, if you're constantly blowing up with people, you should feel some anxiety because that's not how God's designed you to be. There's some God-given anxiety, like, I want them to know something's up. I want to put something in them to stir them up and like, man, I, I'm, not, I'm not living correctly. Yeah, does that make sense to you guys? There, there's probably some good anxiety if we're not living according to God's design and will but there's definitely some anxiety that you have is because of other people's sins there's things that ways p- people treat you there's ways that people ignore you <laughs> there's words that have been said or not said or actions taken against you you may have some past traumatic events that there's just no escaping the fact that you're going to have looming Anxiety from those things. Then there's just the fact that we live in a sinful, fallen world, right? And, and so for some reason, we can't know exactly, like some people are predisposed to have their suffering in this world be that they have mental illness. They're a little bit more prone to an uncontrollable anxiety or uncontrollable depression. So there's our own sin, there's the sin of others, there's just living In a fallen sinful world and that may be your sort of uh, thorn in your flesh that you have to deal with and then there's it could be all of the above (laughs) you could just be really unlucky and all of those are true you're you're living in sin other people have sinned against you and you're predisposed to to mental illness and man life is honestly just really really hard and so that's some disclaimers I want to make and some clarifications and and some other things is, is that some say this is a false dichotomy some say Uh, Christians medicine is bad some people say medicine is bad counseling is bad only God and praying just really a a lot just keep praying and believing and and that should fix it and some people say the opposite that God doesn't have anything to do with this he can't help you with it this is really God stay in your lane right like the scripture stay in your lane like only like counseling and psychotherapy and and medicine can really help this issue and it's a false dichotomy friends Let me give you an example. If I had been running a 100-degree fever for five straight years, it never let up, and I never thought to take Tylenol or Advil, you would question my mental health, wouldn't you, right? It'd be like, what's wrong with you, Cole? Dude, take an Advil. Like, get over it, and like, voila, it's gone. Thank you so much. But then, some pockets... Of Christians, I think a lot more maybe in the South conservative areas. We see someone that has to take a pill for the pill for their mental illness medicine for the mental illness, and then we'll we'll judge them for that. So, take a pill for your fever, but just pray hard enough for your anxiety. Like that doesn't make sense because God and science are friends. Whatever God reveals to be true, (laughs) which when we take medicine and, the, and it is proven to be a remedy, <laughs> when, when whatever you're dealing with is lightened or taken away, that, there we go. We know that's from God. That's why some things remain theories and some things are like scientific fact. For tracking with me what I, I mean by that. <clears throat> there are three things with this issue that we can know for sure before we dive in. Three more things. The first is, if you, you take medicine, you get counseling, guys, you, you spend millions of dollars on it, you, you keep popping those pills all that you want, but if you divorce that from trying with the best of your ability to pursue Christ and read his word and cling to his promises and pray to him, you're gonna be perpetually anxious because you have divorced yourself from a very key component of your whole being, which is your spirituality. God has created you not only as a mental creature, he's created you as a spiritual creature. And the same is also true, or the opposite is also true. You can pray and fast and you can make John the Baptist look like an immature Christian, all right, with how much you pray and you fast. But if you have been diagnosed objectively with clinical anxiety or depression, I don't know why this is happening, I promise it's not me, it's the mic. (laughs) If you've been diagnosed with that, then you you can pray and fast. You can can be the most wholehearted, devoted Christian. You will still have looming anxiety because God has not only created you as a spiritual creature. He's created you with a mind and a a psyche and capacity to feel emotions. Just get a nod head, y'all. So these are things we need to say. And the third is this. Reinhold Niebuhr was an American theologian, reformed theologian, and he wrote what is become or come to be known as the serenity prayer but it originated with him he said god grant me the serenity the the peace of mind the calm the contentment grant me grant me the serenity to accept the things i cannot change courage to change the things i can and wisdom to know the difference all right what are the effects of being in a fallen world that i just i can't fix it i can't change it number one and then two, what are the things that I can change that I need to lean into and examine my own life and, and make different or try different? And God, help me to know what the, those, what the difference is. Help me to know what I just need to rest in you with and what I need to change. And so the third need is that we need wisdom. And guess what? Cole is about to shut up and God is about to speak, which is way better. God's word is pouring forth with wisdom and we need it for this issue. So y'all ready? Let's dive in. Matthew chapter six, Matthew chapter six, verse 25. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? So the first thing I want you to see is the reality of anxiety, the reality of anxiety. Jesus has the best sermon in the world and the Sermon on the Mount, and you notice he doesn't stop and say, hey, I've got this great like 45-minute sermon, but before I, before I start, do any of you struggle with anxiety? Like, If you don't, we can go ahead and move on. Right? He doesn't say that, right? He knows. He knows the reality. He begins by saying to a mainly people of a lower class system, there's a lot of farming dependent upon agriculture. They're worried about what they're gonna eat. They're worried about where they're gonna sleep. They're worried about even being able to have clothes. The most basic needs, the same fundamental basic needs that we have and he says to those people, hey, I know that you're anxious about them but I don't want you to be, okay? So that's the first thing I wanna see very clear is that Jesus, yeah, Jesus, everyone gets anxious and Jesus knows it. That's the reality, so we can breathe deep, friends. I want you to just breathe deep. You don't have to hide in a corner, be, be ashamed of that, like the all-knowing God knows. And he's speaking 2,000 years ago, but even tonight to us. So let's keep moving. Verse 26. Look at the birds of the air, they neither sow nor reap nor gather you of little faith. I I, I actually want to read this in the best pastoral tone, I think, because I think that's actually how Jesus was speaking to them. So starting in verse 31, I think he's saying like this. Therefore, do do not be anxious, saying, what shall we we eat or what shall we drink or or what shall we wear? For For the Gentiles seek after all these things. Your heavenly Father knows that you need all of them, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So we talked about the reality of anxiety and next I want us to look at the failures of anxiety. This is how anxiety sets us up for failure. And first we see it in verses 25, 26, and 28. He's saying, hey, look, we, we see God providing for birds. Like, think about any bird. Like, even crows. Like, does anyone like crows? You know what I mean? Like, no, but God is providing for them. They have something to eat. We see flowers and if you're in West Texas, you've maybe seen blue bonnets before. They're amazing when they're in bloom. They didn't do anything for themselves. They, were, they didn't sit and have a meeting like, okay, we need to cultivate this starting in uh, March so we can bloom here. No lie, they didn't do anything. God clothed them. And the point is, is it's saying God does that for things not created in his image, not with an eternal soul, with an eternal destiny, how much more will he do for you? And so the first failure of anxiety is that anxiety fails to account for the goodness of God. Notice I'm not targeting you or me. I'm saying anxiety it sets us up for failure. It sets us up for failure. It convinces us, it drives us to to think that maybe he cares more about the birds and flowers. We forget to remember, wait a minute, hold on. If he does all of this, he's, he's gotta have me in mind. And out of his goodness and mercy, all of you are here, none of you have starved to death. <laughs> the most important thing is all of you have access through Christ to have a relationship with God. So don't allow your anxiety to produce the failure in you the discount or forget the goodness of God. The next failure is this, in verse 27. Anxiety fails to accomplish anything for you or anyone else. Now this is really key depending where you are in your struggle. Clinical or just, just struggling. Because some of you are at a spot where you know that and you're frustrated. Like you're like, I oh, know, I don't wanna be anxious. Ah. Um, I hope your voice doesn't sound like that, but um, you feel that way. Verse 27, and which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? Jesus is just posing a logical question. He's like, hey, you remember that one time (laughs) when you were really worried about that test for weeks on end and because of your worry, God added two more hours to the 24 hour day? Do you remember that? Yeah, I don't remember that either. (laughs) I don't, it's like, Hey, remember that one time that you just thought that your friend hated you because they didn't text back and you like thought about it all night and couldn't sleep and you you remember how that was really great for your (laughs) friendship? Remember how your friendship just exploded with health after that? (laughs) No. (laughs) Anxiety fails to accomplish anything for you or anyone else. And so those of you that you feel out of control of it and you know what? Maybe the medicine is off, not dialed in. It's just a, a good thing for you to just say out loud, I feel this, this is strong, this is heavy, this is prevalent, but I know this is a waste. Like, I can't allow it to dictate another decision. And then the last failure of anxiety, there's a lot more, but the one we're gonna talk about tonight, is anxiety takes your eyes off what you can control and onto something out of your control. So look at verse 34. Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Some of you are super sharp, you know what this means. If I could just kind of restate this a little bit. Jesus is saying, get out of your head about tomorrow and focus on today. He's like, you have no idea what tomorrow holds. I I do. That thing you're worrying about right now, it may not even have a basis of existence. Like it may not even come close to happening, right? That conversation you're worried about, it may resolve itself overnight. Hey, guess what? You have to sleep tonight. God doesn't. Maybe I'll take care of it by the time your alarm goes off and you hit snooze 10 times and then you finally wake up. I have got this. Anxiety takes your eyes off what you can control and onto something out of your control. And that's why it says, sufficient for the day is its own trouble. That's another way of saying that is like, hey, I need you to worry about exactly how I am equipping you today, exactly how I'm going to speak to you today, exactly what scripture or truth about me and about you and life that I'm going to bring to your mind today. I want you to focus in on and, and, and learn from. All the things that you've experienced in life, and I want you to use that, not worrying about tomorrow. You can plan, but if your planning makes you sleepless at night and you just stop that, all right, what is happening today? Reply to that text that got sent yesterday. Don't wait for tomorrow, do it today. What's on your plate? Take care of it now. We're in our heads about tomorrow instead of in the moment of today. And the beauty of that, you know what the beauty of it is? How many of you are just not great planners? You should love this verse. You're like, I'm all in it today. Jay Siggins, if you'd be honest, he struggles with this verse. That brother, he, he asked me about an event in January back in July, because like he's a planner and I love it. And I gave him a hard time for like he, he wants to plan. He's not necessarily anxious about it, but this kind of gives us permission to plan and, and look ahead. But if, man, if we start worrying about it, if it starts circling in our minds, Jesus is saying this again, Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Again, if you are debilitated with anxiety and you're like, oh, I know this, I'm trying, it just keeps coming. There's a chemical imbalance thing happening. I'm Try not to be anxious. Again, even if you can just speak it out loud, like literally just say, hey, I know this is not productive. This is a waste of time. And I know that there's nothing that I can do about tomorrow. I think that I can but there's not. Right now, I'm here. Mark Twain once said this. He said, worrying is like paying a debt that you don't owe. It'd be like for some reason that you pay, your student loans off, and you think it's $50,000, but it's only $10,000. And you call them up, you're like, hey, can I get my money back? And you're like, thank you for your generous donation. No, <laughs> you can't get it back. Like, wow, Like you should be mad, and you would be overwhelmed with a sense of, that was such a waste. We often worry about things that never actually happen or don't happen the way that we think that we will. Like earlier today, um, Austin Dameron and his wife Ashley were back there, but uh, earlier today, him and Casey were talking and I could tell they were having a serious conversation. It had nothing to do with me, but you know when I started thinking, I was like, oh man, what did I do? Like, hope oh, it's not about me. I hope I didn't do something, right? That's anxiety. That's worrying about something that doesn't even have a foundation. It's not, there's nothing there. Worrying is like paying a debt you don't owe. That's very interesting. is that the debt that we should be most worried about that God has also taken care of is the debt that we owe him because we've sinned against a holy, righteous God. We are in a magnitude apart from Christ of debt. And Jesus has paid that debt with his death. Jesus worried about tomorrow so we won't have to. So Jesus would say very pastorally, I just locked my iPad, that's awesome. Jesus would say very pastorally, friend, we need to stop living in debt to worry and stress about what you can't control and start indebting yourself to a faithful God who has total control. You need need to stop indebting yourself, friend, to the unknown and start indebting yourself to a sovereign, merciful God who knows all. The deadly secret of anxiety. So we see the reality of anxiety. We see it's, its downfalls, its failures. And now we're gonna look at the deadly secret. If y'all would turn with me to Mark chapter four, verse 35 to 41, Mark chapter four. Jesus is on the sea with his disciples. Some moment of It's a miraculous moment we're about to see. Verse 35 of chapter four, Jesus says this. He says, on that day when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side and leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat just as he was and other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion, and they woke him and said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? As you hear that, they're asking Jesus, they're asking him, do you not care? Not are you awake, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace, be still, and the wind ceased and there was a great calm. He said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? The deadly secret of anxiety. It is its fatal flaw, it is its nail in the coffin. And this is true no matter where you're at and your journey with it. Anxiety, it's deadly secret is that anxiety bows down to the power and authority of Jesus. And the thing is, is that I know that you know this. A lot of you could have preached this sermon. You could have had a quiet time, read Matthew six, read Mark four, I could have given it to you, you could have had a lot of this, but the thing is is that the reason, friends, on Sundays and Tuesdays, that you hear a lot of the same things The reason that you hear a lot of the same truths over and over and over and over again is because it breaks our hearts. But it's true, you ignore those same truths over and over and over and over again. And so we're gonna preach them, we're gonna proclaim them, we're gonna point to Jesus who is your greatest pleasure and purpose until you get it with faithfulness and full hearts, amen. And so what I want you to see here, what I want you to see here is what theologians and pastors commentators have seen for such a long time and that there's more than just the storm of the sea happening there are two storms there is a storm of the sea but there's a storm raging inside the disciples hearts they are so driven to despair in this moment they are asking the king of kings and the lord of lords their creator do you care about us They are questioning his care for them. And a lot of you in this room, you have physical storms in your life. You have the outer storm and you have the inner storm. And a lot of us, when we get in the difficult circumstances, we we think, man, Jesus, you must be asleep. The sovereign king of the universe is taking a nap while I'm down here by myself. And we're like Jesus' disciples. Jesus, do you not care that we are perishing? But our questions sound like this. We may ask Jesus, Do you not care about my future job, my friends, my spouse, my financial security? Jesus, do you not care when my friends move away or I move away and I'm left alone, that my community is stripped from me, that I'm having to really build from nothing, that the dreams that I had at that college were just destroyed and now I'm back here trying to pick up the pieces? Jesus, do you not care that my poor time management skills as a college student has once again put me in a bind? Do you not care, Jesus, when I have to make hard decisions? Do you not care that I may have to drop out of school because my parents and myself, we can't afford another dime. We can't go into any more debt. We've maxed out the credit cards. They're chasing after us. We got letters at the door. They're going to get their house taken away if they're in debt one more penny. Jesus, do you not care that I can't discern between what I want for my life and what you want for my life? Jesus, do you not care that I've invested thousands of dollars and thousands of hours into a major that may lead to a job that I may hate. Jesus, do you care about that? Real talk, though, Jesus, do you not care that I'm so poor that even ramen noodles are out of my budget, (laughs) right? Jesus, do you not care that my specific anxiety, this has been destroying my life, is not because of a sin that I've committed, but because of a sin that someone else committed against me? Jesus, do you not care that, I've been going to counseling for years. I've been taking medication for years. And my struggle still seems to be overbearing. Jesus, do you not care about me? Hello? You up there? I wanna share with you my story very, probably a hyphenated version. It was, just, it was a point that I got to whenever I was asking Jesus, do you even care about what I'm dealing with? And so I was still in college. I was at Dallas Baptist University getting my master's degree. Caitlin and I had just gotten engaged. I got my first big boy job at a church in North DFW, um, was paying more bills now, getting ready to start adulting, kind of in this transitional period, kind of in a, in a spot where i invested lots, well, my parents did, invested lots of money, I invested lots of hours into this major called ministry that I wasn't sure about, I wasn't sure if I was really called, I wasn't sure if it was, if it was gonna make it. So I was coming into this job, serving so with the youth ministry in North DFW, with a lot of vulnerability, with a lot of insecurity, with a lot of uncertainty. And what I really needed was to step into an encouraging environment that cultivated confidence in me, just like all of you need now and you will need. But what I got, unfortunately, was the exact opposite of that. And a lot of this has been redeemed. But I remember I was a few weeks in and I walked in on a Monday, I thought things were going well. And I walked in on a Monday morning meeting with just me and the person I was working with and we closed the door and I began to get a long list of all of my failures. Everything that I was doing wrong, my character was questioned, and even my work ethic, which that, if you know Cole Rhodes, he's a He's a dummy, but I at least work hard, right? And so everything, even the things I had pride about myself in was just destroyed, and I got, I got flustered. I mean, that sin was coming out of me. and kind of bit back, and he bit back harder, and I was scared, because I was just 21. I didn't know what I didn't know. I didn't know how much I had to learn. I didn't know that I was doing a bad job. My job was threatened that day. Here I am, I'm trying to save money to provide for a wife, and we're living in Dallas, which is not cheap, and and I began to have all the anxieties over the thing in Matthew 6 that Jesus says don't be anxious about, but it was hard. (laughs) Don't worry about how you're gonna eat. I was worried about how I was gonna eat, where I was gonna live. That's what began to happen to me, is that happened on a Monday, and I, I honestly felt... I felt more scared in that room than I did standing this close next to a Chinese communist soldier. I felt more scared in that room as a legal citizen here than I did as an illegal missionary overseas. I, I, I was so paralyzed with anxiety and fear. Me, you will probably look at me and think, "Oh, that, that's just a big brawny dude, no, no. I was flailing, I was totally incapacitated with fear. I would, like I would wake up and immediately have, just real talk, like stomach, problems my stomach would churn, I would incessantly worry all weekend, I couldn't rest about what was gonna be said to me the following Monday and every single Monday for most of my time there. I would relive that thing that happened over and over and over and over again. So there was one day where God in his grace and mercy, probably in a quiet time, showed me a very simple verse that I had known for a long time, and it's a verse that you probably know too. And it's Philippians four, two verses, six through seven. And it says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, with prayer, supplication, which is your prayer request, with thanksgiving, Let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The first time I I read that, I don't know if I believed it, but I was at a point where I was so low, I was so incapacitated. Y'all know what that word means? I, I was unable. I was functioning at 40% Cole, I was barely making it. I knew that I needed something and I knew what I believed about the word of God. God, here's your chance to prove it (laughs) because if you don't pull through here, I'm probably not gonna be able to preach with confidence if I don't see this be true, if I don't see this happen. And so for well over a month, probably 40, 50 days in a row, every single morning, I would go into our tiny little 692-square-foot apartment in Dallas that costed about a dollar per square foot. It was a super cheap apartment. We had one little table, and I would go in there, and I would read this passage. And me, a grown man, I would read it and just be weeping with tears. I would just weep. Just pray, God, if this is true, make it happen. I've I've been praying to you. Give me that surpassing peace. Surpassing means beyond my understanding, this moment right here is beyond my understanding. I have no idea, God, how you're going to bring peace into this situation. And God would continue to allow me to pray that prayer over and over again. And that led me to one of the best decisions I've ever made in my life. And I sought through wisdom and counsel of other people, a Christian counselor. And I began talking about my issues. I'm a big advocate of counseling. And I began to share all of my struggles. And you know what? He said to me for the first time, that just the affirmation I needed to hear. I just needed to hear that I wasn't crazy for thinking I was going through a storm. The storm was there. There did, there was a storm that needed to be calmed. I'm not crazy. He affirmed, like, this is not, it should not be like this at work. These things should not have been said to you. You should not be treated like this. You should be able to to count at the end of two and a half years if you got one good job more than one time. I can count one time I remember being said that in two and a half years. He said, this this is not right, this is not good, and we began to talk through things from a Christian worldview and talk through those issues. He told me, you need to not just read the word, you need to encounter God. You need to pray like you really believe that God is present. He goes, I don't want you to stop praying and stop reading until you are overwhelmed with some sort of emotion that expresses worship to God. Y'all tracking with me? I'm not talking about some weird stuff. I'm saying engage with God as if he's God. And for me, that looked like tears and weeping and crying before God in utter brokenness. And the CRISPR promise finally came true. Though there would be mourning, through the night, joy comes in the morning. So eventually, through time, through prayer, through bringing other people in, I remember the first day for some reason, the storm was still around me. The <laughs> storm was still around me. Things were still bad. Circumstances were still bad. But the storm inside of me was beginning to calm. I was walking into the same circumstances, the same difficult life decisions, same discouraging environment. For you, the same class that you're retaking for the third time, right? <laughs> the same exam that everybody talks about, that this is it, everything rides on this. And God began to fulfill his promise and ushered in surpassing peace. I've started going into Monday mornings knowing this could be bad, but I have peace with God, <laughs> it's what matters. Hey, this relationship could go south fast if we start making it about Jesus and not ourselves, and that's okay, because um, Romans 5.1 says, therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. I don't have control over all the peace with other people, but I do have control if I have peace with God, amen. And so here's where I wanna land. This is my journey of anxiety and I'm still on it, but where I wanna land with you tonight is is right here. I was at a point, Jesus, do you even care about me and my struggle? A lot of you may be there or have been there. If you haven't, I promise you will be there. So listen and take heed to this. Friends, Jesus, does care. He does care about your struggles, and I can say that because I have been there. But listen to this, he cares, but even Jesus went through such excruciating agony before he went to the cross. You could call it, and I will call it with confidence, a righteous, unsinful anxiety. He sweat blood, okay? When you do that, you know you, you're disturbed about something, all right? Jesus did that as he was anticipating his death on the cross. And so what that means is that even Jesus was subjected to mental suffering and anguish. Do y'all hear this? Have you ever seen this? Like Jesus' is perfection, like that's what it means that he has fellowship in our suffering. In his body, soul, mind, and spirit, he experienced suffering in the way that we do, yet without sin. So what that means is that he has gone through the storms way before us so that when we go through them we don't have to walk it alone. That's what that means. He knows what it feels like to suffer so we can draw near to him all the more closely. When we suffer, your best friends are usually the people who have common experiences with. And so when you suffer, the best friend you can have is Jesus. I wanna ask the band to come up. There's a song, and it's called this. It says, Sometimes He Calms the Storm. It's by Kevin Stokes and Tony Wood. Sometimes He Calms the Storm. The song goes like this. I'm gonna ask, this. there's nothing magical about this. Would y'all just close your eyes and listen to these words in this in this song. I think they're really beautiful and powerful, and just able to kind of stop and pause your heart and mind. Says this: sometimes he calms the storm with a whispered peace be still he can settle any sea but it doesn't mean he will sometimes he holds us close and lets the wind and waves go wild sometimes he calms the storm and other times he calms his child child of God children of God sons and daughters my heart and prayer tonight that god would grant you the wisdom to know how he is working in your life with these struggles that is my prayer yes that he would totally remove your anxiety praise god that would be a miracle but is my greater prayer that you would be at peace and knowing what is actually out of your control to stay that way there's some things that God just needs to stay in total control of and that you just don't need to touch some of that is for whatever reason under the mystery of his will the way that you suffer and some of you suffer mentally very deeply you need to know that it's not your fault if that's you <laughs> it's not your fault God doesn't hate you God is not out to get you And I just pray that you can have a peace and contentment in saying, hey, this is out of my control. And I want you also, I'm praying that you would have the courage to lean in and change what is under your control. The courage to stop thinking thoughts that you can take control of. To stop fearing fears that you can tell yourself, stop fearing that and I pray for the wisdom and discernment along the way to know the difference I pray that my goodness if you are clinically there's just something in your psyche that's just off you've been suffering and trying to pretend like it's normal and you're just fighting and you're doing everything that you know as a Christian to do and it's still bad I pray that you'd have the wisdom to get some help friend quit quit trying to get through this thing without the common grace of God and medicine Counseling and help. And And I pray for those of you in the room that, man, like, I could just imagine Jesus' compassion going out to you. And there are sins that you're committing, man, are just causing so much disruption in your life and damage. And I pray that you'd have wisdom to see that. Maybe a lot of your anxiety is that and things that you're doing to yourself. And, man, I pray to those of you that are experiencing it because of. Things done to you, maybe there's traumatic events in your life. Maybe there's something that someone is doing to you right now. Words that you have to say. Maybe there's a boss that you have. Maybe there's a relationship you're in, even a boyfriend or girlfriend, or a father, or a mother, or, a nana or an aunt or uncle or a grandma or a grandpa a long time ago, or even recently, or anytime in between has done something horrible to you and it's jacked you up. I pray that you would know that that didn't happen to you because God is mad at you or that He's forsaken you. It's not true. He cares about you and I pray for the wisdom tonight to know man, what do I need to do and what do I need to entrust to God sometimes he calms the storm outside of us our circumstances sometimes he calms the storm inside of us our restless hearts regardless brothers and sisters in the room friends in the room regardless you hear me tonight say this anxiety does not have the last word Jesus does and he says peace be still and one day when he says peace be still it will be effective for all eternity when we dwell with him in everlasting peace amen so wherever you are at you hold on to that I promise you that's true. I can't make anything better. I'm not gonna lie to you and act like I can totally clean up everything in your life, but I know something, that this light and momentary affliction and suffering on this earth is just exactly that. It is light and momentary. And so you hold on to Jesus and you let him walk with you and you let him suffer alongside of you because one day he will say, peace be still and we will suffer no more and we will be at total peace. Amen. Let's pray. you are so good. God, I thank you so much for changing my life so that I don't have to get up here and be an imposter. I know you change lives. I know that you are the God of peace, and I pray and I plead with you, God work and move in the lives of these students and show them that it's not just words on a page but that it's a promise they can cling to. God, kind I of pray for their times and their connect groups that they would read Philippians 4 and find a treasure trove, a wealth riches, billions of dollars of spiritual insight just pouring into them and seeing wow, this is true, this is good God of peace Move in our lives, speak tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you are encouraged by today's podcast. If you'd like to learn more about the journey, check us out on Instagram or Facebook at The Journey LBK. Thanks for listening.